0: Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Kane Bradfield, and thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Kane Said. Y'all know my slogan, the fame is free, but the grind costs, baby. And y'all know we're doing a segment on people who are impacting the community. I got a special guest in the house, baby. I got a special guest, and I can't wait to hear what's going on. How you doing? I'm doing great.
1: How are you? I'm doing great, man. Tell the people who you are, baby. Uh, My name is Ricky Wolf. Uh, Born and raised in LaGrange. LaGrange High School. Uh, Went to college, moved away, gone 30 years, moved back home when I was 47 years old. Okay. Okay. And uh, had some things that really bothered me that I wanted to try to address. And so I've spent the last 20 years trying to address some of those issues. Wow. So, Okay. So let's talk about
0: how you have been addressing those issues. Because, again, I mean, you and I both know, man, there have been a lot of issues, and you've been very pivotal in helping with those issues. So talk about that.
1: And let me, let me if I may, just give you a little more about my background. Yes, sir. I think it led to my motivation to do what I have been doing. Okay. I was born and raised in the Dunson Mill Village. Okay. My parents were both hourly workers in the mill. And nobody in my family had ever graduated from high school, much less college. Wow. But I grew up in a family, and this was very unusual back in the 1940s and early 50s. Okay. And my family, if you ever said anything derogatory about another person, whether it be the color of their skin, my daddy would kick mm. your ass. Off the real. Hey, for real. Yes. And yes. so the greatest gift my parents gave me was an acceptance of other people. And that has stayed with me my, my whole entire life. I remember as a kid, uh, my mama worked on second shift. My daddy worked on third. Okay. And we'd go to bed at 7 o'clock, get up at 9 o'clock, and walk down to the mill gate. And one of my parents would go to work and my other parent would walk us back home. Wow. And I thought every kid in the world slept a while, got up went down to the mill gate because I got down there. All my friends were there. (laughs) Okay, okay. Now, obviously, this is in the height of Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. There was an entrance into the mill for the African Americans on the other side of the mill. Okay. And so they were doing the same thing. Mm. But we couldn't enter the mill from the same point. And I used to ask my daddy, why is that? Yeah. And my daddy would say, you know, that's the way things are. And it's not good, but that's the way things are. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of young people today don't even really know what Jim Crow was about. But I lived in Jim Crow wow. as a child. Yeah. And I remember going to Charlie Joseph's and the blacks were not allowed inside. I remember going into Cress's or McClellan's, and they had a black entrance and a white entrance. They had a white uh, restroom, black restroom. I remember going in doctor's offices, and we would go in one entrance, and people of your color would go in another. I lived through that period. man. And uh, part of the challenge we have in trying to address some of these issues today is is that – we don't know our history, and I think Black History Month is great. I pray for the day when there's no Black History Month mm. because that will mean we get to the point where we celebrate African Americans the other 11 months of the year as opposed to one month.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you on I, that. I
1: pray yeah. at some point, maybe not in my lifetime, but maybe in yours, mm. or in our kids' lifetime, that we'll finally get to that to that point of celebration. So I just share that with you because that's where I, th- that was my background. Right. Right. Uh, uh, and some of those early attitudes I formed about people of color, people that are poor, people that are handicapped, people that somehow socially were below where I am. Uh, I was taught and would get my ass whipped. Right. If I, if yeah. I didn't think about those people in
0: an inclusive way. Wow. So I'm, I'm, so, I'm going to pause you there. So now, and for you to be built at that foundation at a young age, in that day and time was rare. It was very rare. It's rare. It was very
1: rare. And my parents are both dead now, and a conversation I never had was, uh, I don't know why they were so unique that way. Wow. Because we were poor. We lived in a three room meal house, 38 Morning Avenue. It's still standing. Mm. The bathroom was out on the back porch. Had to go outside to go to the bathroom on the screened in porch. Mm. It was, but I had it bad, but the African Americans who worked in the mill had it even worse. But they lived, had a special street for them, and that's where they all lived. And the way the mill villages were laid out back in those days is that the Managers live the closest to the mill, and then your production supervisors, then your production people, and then the black people lived the farthest away from the mill. Right. They had to walk the furthest every day back and forth to work. And you go back and look at these mill villages now, you will see where those neighborhoods were. There was no curb and gutter. There was no sidewalk. Mm. And I mm. can show you around LaGrange some yeah. symbols of that. That are, that are still with us, and it's still wow. part of the issue that we're struggling with in this country relative to racism. Wow, wow. Yeah. But we, we don't know our history.
0: And, and so what I was about to say is because, you know, a lot of times, man, we can't change the future because we don't understand that part. You,
1: if you don't understand the history, you have to understand how we got to where we are, right? And uh, I think the educational system in this country has failed miserably in teaching all of us about our history. And I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Uh, We got the vaccine rollout. Okay. Um, People of your color are having a much harder time accessing the vaccine than people of my color. Mm. Now, In the subject of racism, you got two things that are coming together. You got racism and you got poverty that are clashing together. Okay. So, you got a black person who doesn't have access to a computer, uh, doesn't know how to navigate through the system, and they are struggling with getting an appointment to get the vaccine, even though they are of the age. Or either they have a pre-existing condition, which means they should be able to get the vaccine, mm. and they 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 don't know how to gavinate, how to work through the system that we have in this country, and that's what I call systematic racism. Right, right. It's, it's built-in racism. It's built into everything that we do, everything that we think. Uh, I've got a uh, another. Project of mine over the last 20 years, I started an organization called DASH, which has to do with affordable, sustainable housing. The minority of the people that I work the most with are low income, impoverished people, uh, probably 65% African American. And we're helping each one of those families, family by family, to get registered so they can go get their vaccine because they just don't have the computer. They can't do what you just did. right? You know, they, they don't, this is a world they don't know, but they need the vaccine. Right. So that's one problem. Another problem you got is we've got a lot of African Americans who are resistful to taking the vaccine mm. and the white community would say, well, that's pretty stupid. There's a vaccine available. well, they don't know anything about the Tuskegee syphilis uh, project that happened back in the '30s and '40s in this country. Oh my gosh, yeah. And so I've got some little old African American ladies who I love, who know that history, and they are resistant to taking the vaccine, and I fully understand why. Right. Because I know how they've developed that attitude. Yeah, your mindset. Yeah. It's your, mind. it, 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 it's your history. Yeah. It goes back. This whole thing goes back to history. Mm-hmm. So, so okay,
0: so I'm 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 gonna back you up a little bit, okay? Okay, all
1: right. Okay, Am so I going too fat, too far? No,
0: no, 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 man. man you you rocking, rolling, baby. I I want to dig a little more. Okay. okay, so take me through the
1: mindset of you creating the dash program. Um, when I moved back to Lagrange, I was 47. Okay. And I had retired. I had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to find a purpose for the rest of my life. Quite honestly. The Grange had done a study that showed that a major problem we had was the lack of good, safe, dependable, affordable housing. And so I started riding back to my old mill village okay. and looking at what it is compared to what it used to be when I was a child, and I saw how terrible the conditions were compared to what we had. Wow, We were poor but we were secure Mm. we had a pool Okay. okay we had a rec department we had a boy scout hut we had a girl scout hut we had a church we had everything that you needed and we never went to downtown lagrange because we had number one we had to walk number two there was nothing downtown we didn't have we had a theater okay we had every little thing we needed there so my mind started to go toward is there a way that these mill villages can be saved can is there a way to convert them back to what they used to be and so that was my motivation of starting dash and we started 20 years ago we've raised uh, uh, about 60 million dollars i've invested in the city of Lagrange and housing wow we've done about 100 million total city of west point city of hogansville some other communities around the south uh and you you see you know racism's everywhere right. right if if you're sensitive right, if you're looking for it if your right. radar's up, and my radar is very high on the subject mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you see racism in the way in which african americans uh uh have been treated relative to housing, and we We have a situation here that a lot of communities have but we're talking about it we're we're not hiding anymore that uh we're all god's children right and everybody deserves the opportunity to live in a safe secure place Mm. it's good for their health right it's good for the health of their children yes sir it's good for the self-confidence of their children and i go in houses where uh and I think about it as a child, I go in a house and the the little African-American kid or white impoverished kid, they don't have a desk. They don't have any little place. It's their place. You right, know. right. And how are they supposed to learn? Yeah. I go in these houses and I see no books. I go in these houses, I see no beds. Mm. So that was my motivation to get, get it started. And I'm still the chairman of the company. i uh, still work at it. Religiously still got high hopes for it. Right. And we've helped a lot of families. Wow. Wow. The Dunson school project. I don't know if you know where Dunson school is. It's on Barnett Avenue. Okay. Uh, right off Greenville street, Greenville Street. right down from Dixie mill. I'm
0: following that, you now.
1: That school was built in 1938. Uh, My grandparents, my parents, and I, and all my brothers and sisters went to that school. The school was closed. The school had the center part of the roof had collapsed into the building. The city wanted to tear it down. They asked me, did I want it? I said, sure, I'll try. So I was able to get about $3 million in funding, and we reverted that school back to 28, Apartments for very very low income, impoverished people, which about I don't know African American and white. Okay, and um, that's that project's my baby. Right. Because I've got twenty eight people over there that are totally dependent on us, and uh, in a lot of cases, and this is really sad, Kane, but in a lot of cases we've had families. That have a relative that would qualify. We go through the application process. They get accepted. They get checked in. They're now living with us, and the family never ever again shows back up. Are you serious? Seriously? They abandoned them there.
0: Okay, so, now so
1: these are our. So to me, these are, you know, they're part of my family. Right. Plus, having gone to school there. Right, right. So it's, it's super personal. It's very, very personal to me. And we're working real hard with them right now on the whole vaccine issue because mm-hmm. they're part of that group that don't know how to access the system. Mm. And I've got three African-American ladies over there that are in their 80s, 85. They know about Tuskegee.
0: Yeah, so they're like, and, I don't know, Mr. I'm, Wolf, I don't
1: know. And I'm really trying to get some friends of mine in African-American community to go over and have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Cause I just want to, I love them and I want to protect them. Right. So that's just an example of 10 million examples of how racism still interacts itself all through our community Wow. wow.
0: And, and the world. And, and the world. So it, it'll be my next question. So what was your um, thoughts on what all went on in 2020? Cause 2020 was a different year. For some, it was a great year, but I'm saying just from the standpoint of what happened with racism well, and division.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, history will probably record 2020 as the most turbulent you know, time in our, in our country's history. I think that uh, uh, if we're smart as a country, which I'm not sure we are yet, We will take that year and say, okay, what can we learn from what happened in that year and try the best we can to prevent that from ever happening again. Um, I was in politics for eight years. I was a chairman of the Troop County Commission. And the the hate and the divisiveness, which I think mass media has a lot to do with that.
0: Of course, of course.
1: It's people to the point where there's no common ground anymore. politics used to be about the art of compromise you want this i want this there's a place in the middle that we might can can reach right and now that divide is such is if you don't agree with me i hate you Mm. hate has worked itself into the political system both at the federal level state level and local level uh and i uh I have to be honest that, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat. There are a lot of Republican people in politics nationally that that I admire, Okay, and if they were elected, I would support them as my president right. because the people have spoken, uh, and a lot of those Republicans are more moderate in nature. But I think the damage that has been done to this country in the last four years is going to take us decades to overcome, right? On so many different fronts from immigration to police reform, to social justice, to on and on and on and on. It's going to take a long, long
0: time. So, okay. So when the, you know what I'm saying, the division, I mean, of course there's always been division, but I think it really got magnified in 2020 what did that do for your stance? Like, the, you know what I mean? I mean, did the community see us? say, Mr. Wolf, I, I trust you still? Or, or, or was the issue of like, I don't know who to trust no more because a lot going on. And what did that do for you?
1: I, I think all it did for me personally was I just have to stay committed to what I'm doing. Okay. In other words. Okay. Uh, I, I can't respond. I, I'm not a Facebook guy. I'm not a mass media guy. I'm 73 right. years old, right? Right, 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 right. I ain't got time to sit around <laughs> right. and look at all this. You that got things. time to be, be and Instagram had, and the stuff. I had open heart surgery this year and almost died about six months ago. Oh, wow. So my view of life is totally different. It's totally, totally different. Yeah. So when you get to a point where you almost don't make it, um, you go through kind of a discernment mm. with yourself. And when you go through that discernment, what comes out of that is, is that uh, there are really few things in life that are important. Right, right. It, it's your right. faith and your family
0: yeah. and, and
1: whatever your guiding principles are. Mm-hmm. and All this other stuff that you're spending so much time on is taking you away from the goal. Mm. And so that's what that did for me. So it, I just rededicated myself to... My dash work. I rededicate myself to the trust building work we're doing here, um, and uh, because you know, you get to seventy three, you have to realize that you know whatever I have done, uh, good or bad, is pretty much it's on my record now. Right. You know. Right. Is there? Is there? It's yeah. there? Yeah. And so, to the extent I can be a benefit to other people share with them not only the things that maybe I've done well, but the mistakes I've made, of which there are many. Mm. I think that's where I should be spending my time. Mm. So that's, that's what I do. And, and, and I love that.
0: Let me tell you something. Man, so uh, my wife, and of course she's you no know, um, white, and, my, you know, and of course my kids are biracial. Man, in and, and, and all of the years, man, I haven't had to have that conversation until last year. First time I had actually set my kids down, be like, "Yo, yeah, like it's because because again, like I I tell everybody, man, in all you my had, years, you had to, I, I had to, of course you do, I, I had to in, in all my years, you know, I never dealt with racism. Mm-hmm. I told people I don't know because I'm big, I got a deep voice, like I don't know what it is, or I have never dealt with it, right? Um, you know, but my son has, sure. So I was like, man. So it was okay. the first time, man. And he's biracial. Like, he's got 50-50. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even though when people see him, they go see him as African-American. Right. But I'm, like, 100%. You know what I mean? And, and so um, I never dealt with that. But
1: he has. And so that was the first time I had to sit him down and have a conversation. Well, Kenny, there are two things that are going on. And, and I think both of them are needed. Uh, you got to have that conversation. But there are other conversations that are also going on in this world that I think are great. I read an article the other day about a lady. She was like, she was uh, Caucasian, probably 30 years old, had kids 10 and 9. And she wanted to start having a conversation with them about the subject of racism. In other words, how do I talk about this to somebody that young? How do I talk to them about being more sensitive? being more inclusive, and she did a lot of research. And I read her report. At the end of her report, she said, after all this study, what I learned is that it's not enough to say I'm not a racist. Okay. That's a pretty low bar. The higher bar is to say I'm an anti-racist. Because an anti-racist, the term involves action. Okay. I'm going to do something about this. The limit of my ability. And I think that's happening a lot in this country. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Right. Uh, we live, we share a home here, um, and we live in a very conservative part of the world. Right. And right. we see the Confederate flags and we see the issues associated with that. Uh, and to a lot of people, particularly in in my part of the community, uh, racism doesn't exist, mm. and the reason it doesn't exist in their world is because they don't have a sensitivity to it.
0: Okay, that's about to be my next. But go ahead. That's that about my next question. Let's go have ahead. The, have the radar yeah. up. They, they yeah. aren't sensitive yeah. to it.
1: We we live in a neighborhood, and we've got uh, it's very diverse. We got Koreans who live there. We got a great African American family who's our neighbor. Uh, we got two families from Pakistan who live there, and the African American family is called the Borkins. And Miss Borkin walks a lot. Okay. And I walk a lot. Okay. And it's never dawned on me to think about Miss Borkin from the standpoint of when she's walking in that neighborhood she doesn't feel the same sense of security that I do when right. I'm walking in that neighborhood. Right. 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 Or the right. Koreans or the Pakistani or whoever. So I'm sensitive to that. Mm. So to the extent I can do anything to make her feel at home, which mm. is her home. And then you have the story about the guy down in Brunswick where the black guy was jogging and got shot and killed right. on the side of the damn road. Right. Well, right. you know, Miss Borkin knows that. Right. Mm. And so she can't not feel that when she's out public in the neighborhood. wow That's terrible. It's terrible. But if, again, if, if, if you don't stay current and if you don't know our history, then you know I'll never know what it's like to be black. and you'll never know what it's like to be white right. But I can learn as much as I can, and you can learn as much as you can somewhere in the middle of that there's a bridge. Mm. Mm. That's I feel very very strongly about that. So, okay, I, so I've never said anything to right. Miss Borkin about race. Right. But when I see her out walking, Miss Borkin, good morning. How you doing? How is your family? How's it going? You know, we're neighbors. And we have a conversation like neighbors have. Um, mm. uh, they're still a lot of people in my community that they would see Miss Borkin coming down the street, they'd turn and go the other way. Mm. They don't know how to engage her. to
0: engage that conversation.
1: Yeah, and that's what the whole trust building organization is about. And we've had five hundred people to go through that, and it's a it's a very powerful, very powerful thing. Which that organization is going to continue to do. It's been hampered by COVID because. Right. These conversations have to be face to face. You can't do this on virtual. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. Too much. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. And you got to be able to feel this.
1: Right. Yeah. You got to feel that. And and you Mm -hmm. got to, and I've learned, uh, uh, I've learned a lot about myself through that process. And uh, you go to these meetings we have, and I won't bore you with the details of how we do them, but we'll have 50 People in a room, African-American and white, diverse group, don't really know each other. Um, We'll have dinner. We'll have a meeting. have a meeting the next day, all day. And then in a month or two later, they'll come back and have a follow-up meeting. And what you learn in this, though, is that when I went to the first one, I went with the thought of I'm going to learn more about y'all.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: What I learned was about me because the way we teach it, it's an internal reflection on how did we develop the attitudes about others that we have. In other words, why am I so biased? Mm. Why am I so quick to make decisions about others just totally based on the color of their skin or their dress or how long their hair is? Or where do I see them in a certain location within a community? Why do I do that? Is that something I was born with? Mm. Or is that something that I've learned through my parents? Is that something I learned through my experiences? Where did I learn that? Right. Where does this bias come from? Um, and that's what, as an individual, you have to deal with. Right. And in that work, and this is what I feel like is, is so powerful about it, is uh, there's a real big spiritual component to this. Okay. And if you go back and look at uh, the life of Christ, mm-hmm. and this is also spelled out in detail in every major religion of the world. they are parts of every major religion that have to, us. most definitely okay most definitely it's expressed different ways but the message is the same and the message basically says when Jesus was asked by the uh by the teachers the Jewish teachers what's the greatest commandment well the first commandment was is to love God above everything else the um, second commandment which is harder is to love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. and I spoke to the graduating class at the Grange college a couple of years ago. And I talked about the subject of racism and my wife said, are you sure this is a topic you want to address? <laughs> right. And I right. said, well, these people represent the future. Yeah. You know, these are young college graduates. And so I was very honest with them. And I said, you know, uh, that first commitment, that first commandment, I, I get that. I'm right. not supposed to, you know, and I do kind of okay there. Maybe a C. Right. You know. <laughs> right. But right. We get to that second commandment, which says, "I'm supposed to love you mm. as much as I love myself." I mean, I've been loving myself a long damn time, right? 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 I've right. been taking care of myself, whatever. So, to get to a point of acceptance, so I love you as much as I love me, man. That is a that's another ball game. That is a tremendous challenge. Wow, that's what Christ calls us to do. Yeah, that that is the. Two commandments that are the most important in the whole New Testament of the Bible. Yeah. So. That's what these sessions do. It's it's more of an internal. Review of myself. Right. Uh, and we're going to do a lot more of those, and uh, we've had a lot of great things to happen. We. Um, this goes back to the history. Um, the last lynching in Troop County was in 1946, mm. and there was a young man, last name was Calloway, Austin Calloway, uh, who was accused of doing something improper to a white woman. Okay. Um, we never know exactly what that was because there was no police report. There was nothing ever written about it. So we don't know if he just looked at her wrong or touched a garment... We don't. We have no. We have no history. Right. So he was jailed, and the jail is da- the jail. Then was down where the art museum is now. That was mm, the jail. Okay. He was taken to jail. Uh, the clan was called. Clan came, picked him up, took him up on Liberty Hill Highway, and shot him twelve times. Killed. Him, wow. Sixteen years old. Uh, we had a acknowledgement ceremony two years ago at Warren Temple Methodist Church. Mm. And the purpose of that was to acknowledge the fact that that did indeed happen. Mm. Because back in those days when things like that happened, there was no recorded history of this. But we dug it and we got the facts from his family members and some other people came forward who were able to verify without a doubt that that did indeed occur. So we had a great service for him. Uh, his family spoke and his family said, you know, uh, all we ever wanted, you know, was just an acknowledgement that this happened, mm. which had just been been, been yeah. under the rug yeah. since 1946. So those are the kind of activities that we're involved in. I, I can't be held accountable for the past but i can certainly acknowledge the past and i can certainly make a commitment to the extent i'm able uh can we make sure that things like that never ever 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 happen again but they happen every day you see a police shooting yep. you See, it's, so austin calloway that was one set of circumstances but george floyd same set of circumstances it's happened in a different way, but the right. outcome was exactly the same. Same outcome. Same outcome. So you say, okay, well, what have we learned from 1946 to George Floyd? Not a lot. Mm. And that's the mm. challenge.
0: Mm. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the
1: challenge of people.
0: I about to say that that that's a challenge of the challenge. What, what my question was, why is that conversation hard to have as far as like, You know, Uh,
1: the reason the conversation is hard to have is because it is, it's emotional. Mm. Uh, It makes you bare your soul. Mm. Uh, It makes you remember things in your past that you really don't want to revisit. Uh, In these sessions, there's a tremendous amount of storytelling and what we try to do to the best of our ability is to create an environment where people feel comfortable in expressing what's really down in their gut, you know? Um, give you two examples. Uh, one example is we had a lady, 75 years old, uh, didn't know her, signed up to come to one of our classes. And she sat there for almost two days and never said a word. mm And uh, at the end, she said, I got something to say. She said, uh, my father was a member of the KKK, and he killed people. And I've always had this love-hate relationship with my father. Wow. And this at least gives me the opportunity to get this off my mind. I feel comfortable around. This is a group of African Americans and whites, she said, I feel comfortable here to the point of being able to say that, and this is going to help me to heal tremendously. Mm. When she said that, three of the African-American women got up and went over hooked her neck.
0: Really? Really? Yeah. Chamber broke right then? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. There's
1: an African-American woman who is a city council member in the city of West Point, who's a very good friend of mine. Uh, she goes to LaRange College back in 70s. Uh, she and her girlfriends walk from LaGrange College over to the Coleman Library, which is now where Twin Cedars is. Right, right. That was the yep. library when I was a kid. Okay. Built by the Callaway Foundation. Okay. Uh, and they were going in to get their library card and you know, get set up for school. Mm-hmm. They get to the door, and Dee Dee can't go in. Mm. And so she's turned away. Mm. And so she walks back to LaGrange College by herself. And she says the pain mm. that she's been carrying since 1972 or 73, she said it was bad enough that I was denied entry. But what I've been carrying all these years is that none of my friends would walk back to LaGrange College with me. Really? I had to walk back by myself. So. Wow. Storytelling. Storytelling. And allowing people in an environment of trust to be able to talk about this, yeah, in my opinion, is the, is the solution. Bob,
0: I said, man, that's some healing right there.
1: That's healing. And, you know, we, we, I'm hopeful that from the perspective of politics and the law that we can make progress on social justice and we can make progress on gun control, we can make progress on... Uh, police brutality and all these other issues but you know what i've learned through this work is the the law is critical but there's not a law that can be passed that makes me love you mm-hmm. you can pass a law that says you can go to school with me and you got access to everything i got access to the world in which we live mm-hmm. but you can't pass a law that says I'm going to love this person as I love myself.
0: can't pass that one. You can't pass it. Right.
1: So this work is much more spiritual in my view than it is political. I like that. Uh, because that ain't going to get us where we need to. That ain't going to get us where right. we need Because in the end day, we
0: start getting too political, man. People going to start coming at each other again, angry. Sure. Now, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Because my beliefs are not like yours or... You're right, I'm gonna back up. I'm back up for a second too. I said something earlier. I, I was saying I never experienced them, but as you talk, man, I do remember. I yes. mean, I remember growing up in Herod County, mm-hmm. and uh, being being young, man. It's it's crazy now that this stuff this stuff coming up. Man, um, I remember seeing the KKK marching. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and also I remember, man. Uh, I did have an encounter. Um, my mom used to work at a local restaurant at her county great food great food man, i went in there i remember leaving out of school and so when school was over i used to stay at the restaurant with her because you know she's working had nowhere else to go and i remember sitting at a table and i remember that uh, the clans came in and I, man, I remember this now They took off they took out the mat and sat down and tried to tell me like get up my mom my God, she lost it you know what i mean but man but ever since then it was never another encounter, but but it showed me down like, wow,
1: that was an issue. But you know, can you, you say that you weren't impacted by it, but they were systems at work that were not working on your behalf. Right. You I had, had no idea. You had no idea. But even maybe in your day to day life, yep. you didn't feel like you were being impacted, impacted by it, but you most definitely were yep. Yep. You know, your kids are now. Right.
0: Right, uh, right,
1: and the ability to talk right. honestly about this and openly about it and just lay it out there is the only way I know to do anything about it because we've been we've been dancing around this. Yeah, too long. I'll give mm-hmm. you one more example. I'll shut up. No, I'm I'm loving man. I'm loving but this. it. But it's 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 everywhere. Yeah, when I was in office, uh, Kia Motor Company. Uh, wanted to do a program it was called win w-i-n was okay. the acronym world in motion mm-hmm. and what they did they put up millions of dollars to do it and it's still very successful they were using legos and in the third grade they were teaching children using legos how to make different parts of a vehicle the transmission part, the exhaust, the whatever, whatever, whatever. So what they were doing is making a fun game out of teaching these kids about the technology of automation. Right, right. And kids doing it because in 15 years, these kids are going to be their employees, right? Right. And it was a fun thing. And these kids were learning like crazy. So I go to the first celebration of the win graduation. Okay. It was in west point gym i go in the gym uh packed okay packed parents grandparents everybody It was like a pinewood derby on steroids mm-hmm. and these kids got these little things they'd been building and they got them all lined up you got the judges walking around it was a big big damn deal and uh i noticed that uh there were no black people there mm. none and i uh, might have saw a couple right None of the kids were in the Derby, right. And so I told the lady that was running the program, I said, "I like to talk to the coordinator of this program." And so she introduced me to her, and I said, "Ma'am, this is really good." but I said, uh, "It's glaring in the fact that no African Americans participate in this." And she said, uh, "You know how African you know how black people are?" I said, "What?" Right?" She said, "You know how black people are." We send flowers home. We send things in their book bag, wanting to get the kids to come participate. They just won't show up. These these black parents, they don't support their kids. Mm. I said, "True." Is that true? She said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, tell me how this thing is operated." Okay. She said, "Well, it's an after-school program. All right. It's not taught during the day. It's after school." And I said, "Well, African American kids wanted to come." How the hell are they gonna get home? Right. And she just looked at me and turned around and walked away. Mm-hmm. Because that school bus is their livelihood. End of the day, yeah. It's the only way to get to school and only they can get home. Right. So I went back to Kid and I said, Look, we gotta change this damn thing. We gotta you gotta put some money in a way because these are the kids that need to be in the program. Right. You know, they need it. A, a, They're gonna be your future right. workforce. Right. And so Kia put money in the next year. We had a supplemental transportation system. I go through the event the next year, and it looks 50 50. It looks like it's supposed to look. It looks like the society in which we live is supposed to look. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that lady was racist. Right. But she had developed a mindset that if I just stick a little flower in this kid's boot bag. That's enough. That's enough. Mm. That ain't enough. Mm. That ain't near enough. Mm. Wow. I could bore y'all day with no, stuff. No, man. I'm loving this, man.
0: They, I'm loving they, this. They're,
1: so, they're, so, every, they're everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So, let me ask you a question. So, man, when you hear the, you know, is, is a term that, man, has been circulating forever. Man, when you hear the term white privilege, you know, so what does that say to you?
1: Uh, white privilege uh, is something that I have. Mm. Something that I inherited from generations gone by. Um, it has opened doors for me that would not open the same door for an African American. Um, I give you a perfect example. Okay. I had open heart surgery six months ago. Okay. Almost died. COVID comes along. Covid vaccines developed. Uh, I have the personal phone number to all my doctors, mm. to all of their physicians' assistants. Mm. I don't go online and make all these damn phone calls. Right. I just call them, and they say, "When do you want to come get your vaccine?" Right. That's white privilege. Mm. Mm. It, it, it And it's wrong. Right. You know. And what I think about. And and this is part of the training as well. As I think about in my life, doors that were opened to me simply because of the color of my skin has been tremendous in terms of the way my life has turned out. And I think about uh, when I got out of college, I couldn't find a job. In the early 70s, jobs were very hard to get. My father, by then, had become the manager of a local mill here. And I went to Atlanta and tried to find work and couldn't. So I come back home. He calls the corporate office of West Point Pepperell. Next thing you know, I'm on the training program. I'm employed. <laughs> oh, man. That's white privilege. That's right. Yeah,
0: most definitely, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, in 1971, did I think it was white privilege? No. Was it? Of course it was. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. Having the cell phone number of every one of my damn doctors, so I just call them when I need to come see them. I don't have to make a damn appointment. I ain't got a And I got little old ladies over at Dunson School that are dying to get their vaccine, and they're on the phone all damn day trying to dial an eight hundred number and can't get anybody to answer. Right. Right. That's white privilege. The white
0: privilege. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you say, okay, it's seventy three. What the hell are you gonna do with your white privilege? Well all I know to do with it is to acknowledge that I have it and to the extent I can share it with other people is all I know to do it at 73 years
0: old. Right. Right.
1: Right. Uh, and the same thing of privilege versus entitlement is exactly the same. You know, it's, it's the same, it's the same nut, Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm so glad that, um, uh, uh, I really believe this as a country for the first time in my lifetime, we're having real serious con- discussions. About yeah,
0: this. I, I think so too.
1: And I don't think that's going to go away. I think that uh, uh, I'm a big supporter of black lives matter. Uh, I hate that they have been infiltrated on one side with Praises of the world, but it happens with every political organization. Right, I'm yep. a big member of the American Civil Liberties Union. I have been for a long, long time. And when Trump got elected, I said, you know, we're gonna need that organization more than we ever have to protect the rights of not only immigrants but impoverished people in this country. Uh, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do, Kane, with my age. Uh, I don't back down from this in conversation with anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't work for anybody here. Mm-hmm. I'm not building a business like you're building here, where you've right. got to be sensitive to right. this topic. I don't. I'm not sensitive to it at all. I'm right. just way into it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have uh, uh, I have lost some friends because of my view on some of these topics. Uh, and what I draw from that is is that, well, you know, probably they weren't my friends in the first place.
0: Right, right.
1: So uh, and I have a wife who feels exactly the same way I do uh, about these topics. And so, you know, we just press forward the best we can. And, 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 and I, I, I love, I love what you're doing, yeah. We teach our grandchildren. Uh, we talk to them about white privilege. We talk to them about entitlement try to share stories of history so they can understand how we got to this place right um so i just kind of I, I love that thing so I, good I, good. I i i ask you
0: this too though i have asked you this um uh, you know what i mean because are a concept i have with people i just want to get your feedback on it. uh kaepernick you know i'm sure you're familiar with the story sure. when he sure. you know he uh, when he kneeled down so tell me about that you know I mean? give me your your insight, your feedback on him doing that?
1: Well, I think that uh, he, like a lot of others in the past on various racial issues, he was ahead of his time. Mm. And when you look at what he did when he did it, right. it looked really weird. <laughs> right. right, When you look at what he did now, you can see the logic in it. And you know, Dr. King the same way. Right. When Dr. King started t- talking about and espousing about the issue of social justice done in a nonviolent way, people saying, well, How the hell's that going they gotta be violent?
0: Right. You gotta fight somebody. You gotta
1: fight somebody. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> right. you know, you gotta right. storm the Capitol, you gotta <laughs> right. and the, the the genius of Dr. King to me has always been the the nonviolent. Mm. What he was, was able to accomplish, which is incalculable in this world, by staying on that nonviolent, particularly in the crazy world we live in now. Right. Uh, so I just think he was ahead of his time. Yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah, history I is going to view him very favorably as we get a little bit further away from this. Right. You know, I think that uh, you know, there's there's no doubt that this is your world athlete, not mine. Right. Uh, there's no doubt that the man has been paid better than the athlete. Right. There's no, there's no question about that. Right, right. Uh, that needs to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And I'm not smart enough to know how, but that needs to be
0: addressed. Dealt with a little more, yeah. It yeah.
1: needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know John Johnson or not.
0: Yeah, I know John Johnson. Yeah. Man, Johnson did my um Photos before. Yeah, John's yeah. a great. Man. Yeah,
1: man. Uh, he was at Clemson. Danny Ford was a real good personal friend of mine, and we lived in Anderson, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met John through Danny, and he said, uh, "Mr. Wolf said I heard of you. You played a Grange High." Yeah, he said. <laughs> he said, "I understand you was pretty good back when the white boys just played the white boys." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "John, I'm offended by that." <laughs> Right, but, right, but it's true. But it's true. true. <laughs> right, 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 right. But he's a great. He is, man. Great, uh, he is. One. He is. And I served on the Pineland Boys Home with him when he was when he was living here But you know that that disparity needs to be addressed. Right. And it needs to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Uh, you know, my time came was so different. I mean, I, I went to play football at Georgia Tech to get a college education. That was, it wasn't. Uh, if I happened to be good enough to do something else, maybe. But because nobody in my family had ever graduated from college, mm-hmm. so that was my goal. Mm-hmm. But now with the money and all, a lot of these kids—and rightfully so—and I'd be the same way if I was their right. age—they see college as just a stepping stone, one, two, three years maybe to get to the promised land. Yep. And that's totally understandable.
0: It's it's so and so I'm I'm gonna tap into that too. Uh, so. Yeah, in, in terms of athletes. But
1: there's racism in that as
0: well. Right, right. It, it definitely is, and I, I, want, I want to go into that too. Uh, so in, in terms in terms of the black community, you know, it's in a lot of time, and it, it's a mindset come from somewhere. Do we think our only ticket is the NBA, is the NFL, is the, you know what I'm saying, things well, like that?
1: Here's the damage that's done there, in my opinion. Um uh, and I think we all have to be a part of this solution. You can pull that down, your mic down, if you want to. If, if you look at the percentage of players that play high school football, right. they get a college scholarship. Yeah. And then you look at the percentage of college scholarship athletes that get a contract in NFL yeah. or arena football or yes. NBA or whatever, yes. it's like this. Like 1% to 3%. It's very, very low. Yep. And I think these young people – to a large degree are being taken advantage of mm. through the sports agency that tells them, you know, you're gonna be part of that one or two percent. Right. And this education thing, you're gonna make so damn much money, you ain't got to worry ain't about worry that. You gotta worry about that part. See that's racism. Mm. That's racism. Mm. If that agent was as concerned about that young man or woman getting a college education. But see, the way the system is set up, they don't get paid the agent doesn't get paid until they hit the big time.
0: That's it.
1: And so they'll sacrifice the child to hit the big time. Mm. That's Mm. racism.
0: Right, right. It's everywhere. Right, right. Dang, come man. I have experienced it, man. Of course you have. I thought I had a smooth sailing. No. I have experienced it, man. Of course
1: you've experienced it. Man. Of course course you've experienced it. I just got corrected, y'all. This is crazy. Well, when you said a while ago, early on, (laughs) This racism thing ain't never affected me. I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) he
0: just don't know. He he just don't know. Wait, so I'm I'm gonna tell what I mean by that. I'm talking about as far as like, what? As far as like, physically, to where you know I got to go out there and fight somebody for disrespecting me or my wife or my kids. So let me say that. So like physically, you know, I I haven't had anyone came and call me out my. Let me let me me break break down a little more. Call me out my name, or you know what I'm saying, or or or, or disrespecting my wife, or came to you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I haven't had that. Now, like you said, I have had the things you're talking about.
1: Right. I definitely has had I had, you had that. Wow. I course you have. <laughs> yes, man. And it's affecting you as we sit here? Yes. It's affecting your wife and it's affecting your children. Yes.
0: Right. Let me tell you something, man. My wife and shots out big up to my wife, man. You know what I mean? She has been so um um pivotal or just been the a, a great foundation in preparing our kids for that. Like I can I, like I tell everybody, man, my wife is white, but man, she is riding the same wave you're riding. You see know what I'm saying? She's riding it, man, to 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 understand, and she wanted other people to understand what black kids go through. I'm, I'm telling you the story here too. We're talking about stories. my oldest son, man, he was visiting his. He was going to visit his mom one day, right? And of course, his mom, you know, she's white too, and he's living in a white neighborhood, and. He's black, hair long. Whatever how you want to put it, right? And so, so I guess the neighbors didn't know him, so he was going to the house, and the neighbors called the cops. That's bad. They
1: called the cops, and the police came with guns and everything, mm-hmm. and he was at home. Yeah, that's the biasness in people. Yes, you see a black person in a place you don't think they're supposed to be. That's got to be evil. Yes, you mind just yes flips to that yes
0: man so my wife man she was like oh my gosh can this could happen that could have happened. and at that moment i was like dang yeah. it's real out here
1: yes it is real I it's real out here and i think a lot of times man we live in a conservative part of the world like yeah. we do it's you you have to be careful with yep. i applaud you and your wife for having those conversations with your kids yeah. because in the African American community, there's a lot of those conversations that aren't being had. Right. And they need to be had. Right. It's like in my community, the conversation needs to be why am I so prejudiced? Mm. How can I get rid of this prejudice? Mm. A lot of it is subconscious. You know, like, it's a pretty deep subject, but when I walked in that door and you saw me, your mind painted an image of what you saw. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm hmm. Mine did the same of you, right? And your brain processes millions and millions of megabytes of information every minute. Mm-hmm. Right. So when, when, when we see each other in a situation or a place where that ain't where this person's supposed to be, mm-hmm. then it's gotta be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you a perfect example. Give it to him. Uh, Across from Lagrange Housing Authority, there is a vacant lot that used to be a Burger King many, many years ago, and it's a big paved lot. No building's about to burn down. And Carl Von Epps, who's an African American minister of Warren Temple, who's a very good friend of mine, right? We did this. We founded this trust-building organization together. Okay. Right. Uh, I have a farm out two hundred and nineteen. So one Sunday afternoon, I'm riding out to the farm. I go by the Housing Authority, and I think every police car we have in LaGrange was lined up mm. in that vacant parking lot. They were lined up on both sides, and there were probably 35, 40 African Americans in the middle of these cars. So the scene I see is police cars, all white police officers, obviously, out of their car, and they got 40, 50 African Americans in the middle. Right. right. So I called Carl Vaughn. I said, look, we got something bad happening. Here. Something going on. This is not good. He says, Well, you know, they've been doing a lot of bust over there because of gangs and that kind of thing. That's probably what it is. So I go to the farm, I come back, and they're all the whole thing's cleared up. So I read the paper the next day. And what they were doing, they were getting ready to have a freedom march, and the police were there to escort the African Americans on the march. Mm. It was the opposite what i thought it was right hey, so you thought oh, something going it's down this gotta, gotta be bad yeah it's yeah. gotta be bad and yeah. it was very positive wow wow but that's how your mind that's how your mind takes over your mind takes over yep mm. so you have to uncondition your mind to this we had a guy to come to our training one time and uh he really had a chip on his shoulder he, he he and he had some reasons about things that had happened in the past or whatever and we went to break out Session. I didn't know the young man. Right. Nice guy, but kind of he was angry. Yeah. He was angry. And so we get toward the end of the thing, and he said, uh, you know, I don't even feel like I need to be here. And I said, Why? He said, uh, you know I have a white wife, don't you? <laughs> I said, I don't even know you. <laughs> right. Right. And he said, Well, what are you thinking about me having a white wife? I said, my only thought about it is if the world ever needed more love, it's now. It's now. <laughs> and if yeah. you and your wife love each other, who in the hell am I right. to have an opinion about <laughs> who why? you married? Yeah. And then after that, it broke the dam between me and him, and mm. now we're friends. Mm. But see, he'd already, in his prejudiced mind, right. he'd already convinced himself when this white guy finds out I got a white wife,
0: it's it gonna cause an issue. It's gonna
1: cause an issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it didn't. Right. So now we're friends. So, so now y'all buddies. Now.
1: Yeah, right. Wow. wow. That's the power of this work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm gonna tell you, man. Just continue doing what you're doing, man. Because uh, but you're changing lives. Like you, you're definitely changing lives. And, and the task mm-hmm. that you have, everybody can't do it. And I'm so glad God selected you to do it because He equipped you for it. It equip you for it man
1: well there, there are a lot of good people in this community mm. that feel the way i do mm. uh, some of them because of concern about what other people think yeah. or maybe they're still working and they've got that to deal with gotta be careful. Ke- yeah you gotta be careful uh but there are a lot of good people in the Grange who, who share these views wow. and through this work that we're doing i've met Five hundred of them, mm. and uh, it, it's just we, we just gotta we just gotta keep it going. Gotta keep it going, huh? Uh, because if if America's ever gonna be what America is supposed to be, based on what our founders said, uh, I still see America as an experiment, right? Because we're not even right. close, right, to to maximizing the potential. Of every human being in this country, irrespective of their color, but primarily people that are African American or Latino, and until we maximize that human potential in everybody, the American dream is never going to be what we are working so hard to try to to try to make it to be. Right, uh, and I, I feel, I, I guess I'm somewhat. Uh, optimistic about this yeah uh and and i think the last four years in my personal opinion was a very dark period in our history mm-hmm. and I uh, hopefully believe that now's the time that we can move forward but again the law is one thing but what's in your heart is the other that's, that's
0: a different thing. thing And
1: if that don't change then you can pass all the damn laws you want to right but right ain't nothing gonna change Right. Not really changed.
0: So, so you know, it's a it's a question I ask everyone, like to 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 end the, the podcast. And my question is to you: is if you had one thing, okay, to tell the white community and the black community, what would that one thing be?
1: I I think it would be that we we have to get to the point where we accept each other. As God's children, mm-hmm. we have to get to the point where I'm as concerned about the future of your children as I am my own grandchildren, mm. which goes back to that commandment. Yeah. And until we get to that place, we'll never be able to maximize the potential that God placed,
0: you know, in all of
1: us. And um, so there's a there's a spiritual, a real spiritual component to this, mm. uh, and you'd be amazed at the people in Lagrange that uh, that call themselves Christian, right? Uh, and I am a Christian. I am a stumbling Christian. I sin every day. I, I acknowledge right it. I see it every right. day. I'm a struggling Christian mm-hmm. but the, the the part about this that I find so amazing Kane is that there's a term in psychology called cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. and what that term means is is that we at humans we try as hard as we can to hold two opposing beliefs at the same time okay. Perfect example is, I go to church, and I love God, but I hate black people. Mm. Okay, God is love, right? So you can't you can't be that and be that. No way. There's got to be some reconciliation in your heart, right? And that's what a lot of people struggle with. Um, um, there, there are a lot of people. It goes back over. Generations we've been dealing with this issue since 1619 when wow. slaves came to America. is Somehow this sense that uh, uh, my station in life is up here somewhere and yours is kind of down here somewhere. Kind of, I don't know how I got up here, and I'm not sure right. why you're there, but right. we ain't equal here. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. And uh, until the extent that we can get to the point where we look at each other as being equal, and as concerned about each other as we are about ourselves. Nothing permanently is going to change.
0: going It can't. It's impossible.
1: It's absolutely impossible for it to change. Wow. And if it don't change, America will never reach the potential that America can, America can be. See, so you have an opportunity. I don't know what you do here, but this place is what I call a point of intervention.
0: Okay, talk to me.
1: Okay. Uh, You have, I'm assuming you have diverse people who come
0: here. Yes, sir. Okay.
1: Well, you have the ability to create a culture here, and maybe you already are, Mm -hmm. of inclusiveness, Mm -hmm. a culture of sensitivity, Mm -hmm. a culture of equality. And those people take those traits that they learn in this gym Apply them in the real
0: world, right? Right.
1: So this is more than a place where you work out, right? If you think about it that, right? Way. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Most definitely, most, most definitely, because again, you so so here, you know, I, I deal with a lot of athletes. That's all we deal with, a lot, training athletes. And
1: how about old athletes like me?
0: Man, you can come and get it, man. You come <laughs> in here and do your thing in here, man. I'm telling you, man. I, I can I can bring it back, the, 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 the I, Orange I Bowl.
1: I can't pick up my microphone. <laughs>
0: I can bring that Orange Bowl uh, style back in you, baby. I you know it. what
1: I am doing? I'm going to Pilates. Okay. Man, that's okay. That's helping me. See? See? Great on flexibility. Yep.
0: Yep. And, and so I was talking to a client this morning. I said, the older we get, the less we want to bend. So our mobility go because you don't want to bend down no Definitely. more. Like I said, Pilates is helping you.
1: You Except know, made tremendous. Sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, but is it true though, right? Yeah. The, the older we get, the less you like. And I, I was talking, I was talking to a few of them, and I was saying, you know, you got to be able to still get down and get under the bed and look for stuff. It was like, no, my kids are for that. <laughs> my kids can do that. That's for why me. we
1: always walk around with one of these stick things that's got a grabber on the end of it. <laughs> they pick it up, yeah. it, right? <laughs> you ain't got to bend down. Old. But
0: yeah, man. But but keep doing that Pilates, man, because of mobility. It's it's super important, you know. This
1: doctor that operated on my, did my open heart surgery, I got ready to go home, and he said, Ricky, he said, uh, you almost didn't make it. And he said, I lose a lot of patients doing the surgery I just did on you, but you made it. And I want to tell you, when you get home, if you don't walk, you're going to die. You got it?
0: Mm. you like, let me start walking right now. Yes, sir.
1: (coughs) I I couldn't walk for two months. I was only walker for a long time. Mm. That impressed me, said. If you don't walk, you're going to die. Got it? So, yes, sir. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go walk so y'all. i going so Yeah. I walk at least 10,000 a day. Wow.
0: Man, keep doing that stuff, man. I mean, that's 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 what we do. I don't
1: mind when I die, yeah. but I don't want to be old. Right. right. I don't want to walk around.
0: Right. right. You can't even move. Right. Yeah, I but I'm saying, you. so that's why that, keep doing that politeness, man. That's why that mobility, that mobility is so important because.
1: I'm dedicated.
0: To man, you. look, I'm going to tell you this, though. I'm gonna tell you what made me get more into more into mobility. So it was like two years ago. We was at the beach and I was sitting on the uh, you know beach chair, kind of was low. And my son at the time he was like three. Is so he's on in the same like, Daddy, come down here and play with me. <laughs> the whole time my mind I said, "Are oh, you serious, dude? I gotta get down. If I get down, you know what gotta happen? I gotta get back up." So you know. Ever since then, man. And that's
1: one of those low beach chairs where you really got to push to get up. Right? Well, he want me to get oh, on the ground with him. On the, yes.
0: So I'm like, for ever since then, I've been working on mobility. I said, never again would I get that mindset. I'm like, I do not want to get down. Brother, I didn't want to get down. You hear me? And I train all day long. But for some reason, I didn't want to get low. Right. But, but that's the mobility. Yeah. That's what it is, man. Yeah. That's what it is. Brother, man, I thank you for coming today, man. It was uh, it, it was great, man. And, 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 and man, I know that you're going to impact millions off your conversation. Man I had a great, great great conversation with you, man. I so, uh, enjoyed meeting you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Everybody, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of King Said. And y'all know my slogan, man. The fame is free and the grind it costs, baby. I want to thank Mr. Ricky Wolf for coming in, man, and, and just helping bridge the gap, man. So, Keep impacting, brother. Keep impacting.
1: You, you too. Yes, sir. We're all in this together.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you much, man.